Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. First Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, quick context before I read this verse. The Apostle Paul is writing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if I could paraphrase just a little bit, he says he doesn't want them to be uninformed about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many are thankful that God gives us gifts? Amen. And, uh, and Paul basically reminds them that they used to be um, in subjection to idolatry and they were lost. And, and don't forget where he came from. And I'm about ready to break down some teaching to you, is what he's telling them. And he says, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit will always exalt Jesus as Lord. And so he's trying to bring some correction and some understanding of what the Holy Spirit does. And then he begins to list all these gifts. Now, we're not going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit today, um, but we're going to talk about the working of the Spirit in our lives individually and as a community. So I want to read verses 12 and 13, and then we're going to jump to Galatians 4. So just a little, this is right after, a little context here, right after Paul lists all the gifts of the Spirit. And then he mentions a couple things here in verse 12 and 13 that I want to focus on, and then we're going to read Galatians 4. Are you, you all ready? Verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we've all been made to drink into one spirit. So Paul's encouraging the church and saying, we are all individual members of one body. The labels have been removed, and now we're all made one. And it says the Holy Spirit, this is interesting, the Holy Spirit baptized us into Christ. So we always talk about how Jesus baptizes us with the Spirit, and that's true, Matthew 3.11. You know, we see that you know, John um, the Baptist says, he who's coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. How many believe that Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit baptized us into Christ. When you were indwelt with the Spirit, the, the, the work of the Spirit where he made, uh, made you new, and, and he, the Bible says we've been made alive unto God, and now our spirit and our soul were alive unto God that he baptized us into the body of Christ. Beautiful. Now jump over to Galatians 4. You don't have to jump there. Nobody even carries their Bible to church anymore. We're all sinners. Come on, somebody. Just let's give God a shout of praise for being a sinner. No, I'm kidding. Well, we're sinners saved by grace. Well, if you have a real Bible, let's just, let's see if there's any real Christians in the room. Do you have a real Bible? Raise your hand up if you do. Oh my goodness, look it. There's real Christians. Come on. Real Christians, Christian. Praise God. All right. If you have it on your device, then you can 
Go to Galatians 4. We're going to read verse 19. Now, Paul is dealing with some of the same stuff that he dealt with in Corinth, which really is just orphan thinking and mindsets in community. And how many know when we have issues in our heart, it's going to come out in our relationship and how we do life, right? And, and Paul's like, you're no longer a slave. You are a son. You are a child of the living God. He says, as a matter of fact, the Spirit of God indwelt you, in verse 6 of Galatians 4, and you cry out, we cry out, Abba, Father. This is one of the three times the word Abba, the Aramaic word, is written in Greek text. And there's a reason why, because we get to approach God and call him Papa, This is the way Jesus taught us how to pray. And the Spirit's work in us teaches us that we're sons and daughters. Can you say amen? Amen. Then there's this kind of obscure verse in verse 19. He says, Paul says to the church, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. And then he says, I would like to be present with you now and change my tone for I have doubts about you. Only a father could say that, right? A lot of times I think we look at this verse, though, and we think of Christ being formed in me. Most of the time we read the Bible and it's, you know, we think about what Christ, me, what is God saying to me? Which is beautiful, but like how many know the word church is a word that exemplifies and expresses, a, it's, it's a plural word, it's not a singular word. It's not like, like it would be inaccurate for me to say, I'm the church, do you know that? It would be more accurate for, for us to say, we are the church. Because I might be the temple of the Holy Spirit by myself, but I'm not the church unless I'm together with the people of God. The church is the people of God, not a person of God. And in the same sense, I believe that sometimes we take this verse and, well, Christ is being formed in us. And it's this metaphor of like, you know, Christ in you, the hope of glory, like it says in Colossians. Well, I want to say this before I run with this message that I believe Paul was addressing the church, the community, saying, I want Christ to be formed in this community. He says, I labor until now that until Christ is formed in you. In other words, there is a manifestation of Jesus in a community that happens as we are yielded to the Holy Spirit's operation in our life. And I would like to say this, that it's not just a one-time thing. Well, Christ is formed in you. No, we grow in the manifestation, not only in the revelation of who God is, but the manifestation of his love to the world around us. And this is what I want to talk about today, is a spirit-formed community that brings the culture of heaven. A spirit-formed community that brings the culture of heaven. How many know there's a lot of different cultures in the world, and they all reveal different things that are beautiful. But when I speak of culture, if I get simplified, I'm not talking about necessarily an ethnic group or people or a nation. You know, you have different things in different cultures that are like very healthy. And some things in, in our culture, like cultures, they're not healthy, right? Like in some cultures, you, you have like, uh, for example, like some cultures, they don't sit at the table and eat. How many know it's important as family, we come together at the table? I personally like cultures that like to gather around food, obviously. 
Don't say amen, please. I'm, I'm on a diet, guys. I'm trying to... But I think that there's different value systems, if I could say it this way, that are important to have in different cultures. But when I say culture, let me just simplify. I'm not talking about just different people. I'm talking about a way of life. And how many know that we can see kingdom culture in different cultures in the world, but the culture of God's reign in the earth is really what we want, right? That's what's going to heal society, community. That's, it's the love of God, the divine love of God that heals us in our fallenness. Can you say amen? And sometimes we come out of, you know, different cultures, ways of living, ways of life, and now we're in a church community, and it might look just like it did when we were in a broken family because we're still broken. How many know if we have stuff going on inside, it's going to come out in relationship? Well, what does it look like for Christ to be formed in us, the spirit formation, the spirit's working, where we manifest Jesus the way that we're created to? And I want to talk about what it looks like to be a people that really live in the culture of heaven. What's the culture of heaven? Well, the culture of heaven is one that is centered around the love of God and the love of people. It really is. And, and, it, and I, let me just say this, most of you know this, but love does not mean like, I love you and therefore I affirm everything that you do in your life. Are you thankful that God never loved us like that or he would have never redeemed us and transformed us and given us a new way and a new identity to live out and live free? Can you say amen? Love doesn't compromise. It's like the idea of grace. You know, like, well, don't preach grace too much because if you preach too much grace, then people are just going to go out and sin. No, grace does not free you to sin. It frees you from sin. Because grace isn't just unmerited favor. It's God's divine ability to set you free from sin. It's God's enablement to teach you who you really are. And in the culture of heaven, we know who we are and we begin to live other-centered. You know, many years ago when I got married, um, five decades ago, praise God. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not that old. Two, over two decades we've been married. 20, 23 years in a, month, in a couple months. Wow! Yes, I'm gonna give myself a hand. You have no idea what I've had to endure. No, I'm kidding. Thank God for marriage, man. I think Jesus saved me, and then Jesus used my wife to save me. Like, I, can I say that? Is that heretical? I don't know. I, I don't think it is. Like, I don't know where I'd be without my woman. Come on, somebody. I remember when we first got married, though, it was like, you know, talk about the spirit forming, you know, the two shall become one. It's like two different pieces of clay, God, the potters forming together, and it's like, whoa, there's a lot I got to do here to make this work. <laughs> We used to tell stories about how we go to church together. By the way, couples that go to church together, married couples that go to church together, the divorce rate is cut in half. Did you know that? The value and honor to go to the house of the Lord and be a part of a local church will bless your marriage. Come on, somebody. I, I've heard it say, well, the divorce rate in the church is higher than in the world. No, it's not. It's not true. Church-going Christians, the divorce rate's like 17%. 17%. Church go so my wife and I go to church. Well, little do we know that like it's hard to go to church together sometimes. Baby's crying in the back. We got Sarah. Sarah, you always cried all the time. What is wrong with No, I'm just kidding. Babies cry. That's what they do. They poop and cry, and that's all you did. And eat and laughed. And you were so cute too, Sarah. 
but we go to church together and we fight over the stupidest things. Like we drive to church. I'm like, well, honey, let's go to church. We got to pray on the way to church. So it's like, we're going to church. Why don't we need to pray on the way to church? I'm like, because you never know. We've got to be ready to lay hands on the sick. We've got to be ready to raise the dead. Someone might fall down. And, or, well, who knows? We've got to be ready to pray. I want to minister. I don't know, maybe the pastor would tell me to preach, and I've got to run up there and be ready to preach. She's like, you're insane. You think you're Smith Wigglesworth or something? I'm like, yeah, kind of. So we pray on the way to church, and I'm like, you're not praying. She's like, I'm praying. I'm driving and praying. I'm like, pray in tongues. I don't want to pray in tongues. I'm like, why not? Because I'm, I have to be in the spirit to pray in tongues. It just, I got to get it revved up. It takes me, I'm like, if you pray in tongues, you'll get in the spirit, woman. Now, forgive me for my misogyny back in the day. I honor you, woman of God. But early on, I'm like, Girl, you better do what I say. You better submit to this man of God. Still say it every once in a while. <laughs> Just jokingly, of course, right? Right, honey? Okay. Better agree. So we're over the dumbest things. We're going to church and we're fighting over prayer. Like over praying in the car. God forming. What Holy Spirit, how are you? We're trying to pray and be in your presence and this is not fun. It's like Jerry Springer, and then we get to church, and we're worshiping, and it's like, you don't really want to worship. The first song's always upbeat, and it's like, and back then, like, and this was not that long ago, it was early 2000s, where everyone claps their hands. Nowadays, people don't even clap their hands. The millennial worship, Gen Z worship, you know, clap your hands. It's an expression in the Bible, in the Word of God. Clap your hands to the Lord. So everyone, right, like a choir, it was like, Everyone clap. You didn't want to because you just fought with your spouse all the way to church. You don't want to clap your hands. I don't want to clap my hands. I don't want to worship. I don't want to praise, right? And then the second song comes on, mid-tempo. Then the third song starts, and it's a worship song. And like, you know, pour your praise out. <laughs> I love you, baby. Let's pray on the way to church, and we won't fight no more. Come on, somebody. How many know that the Holy Spirit works like that, though? Like, like when, when we're wrestling with things and the spirit works even in that tension. And as a, a, a young father, I remember, and, and I want to use this as an illustration, what I believe God is saying is when I remember we found out that uh, we were going to have a baby and I always dreamed of being a father. I wanted a family. And, uh, and so my wife find, finds out she's pregnant with Sarah and man, it was, I was serious about it. Like I prayed over the womb. That's why you're so awesome, Sarah, by the way. I attribute it to my prayers. I prayed over the womb. Like I was like, Jesus, ha. Sarah was a, a worship leader in her womb. How many know that the Bible says he knits us together in our mother's womb? What a beautiful miracle though that like, can you imagine if the mom had to concentrate and focus and do something for that baby to be formed. God, I mean, the miracle of the baby being formed inside the womb of a mother, just like the Holy Spirit does what he does. Sarah was a worship leader in the womb, though. I would play the guitar, and there were certain worship songs, and when the Spirit of God, the wind of heaven would not just sound, but the wind of heaven was on the sound, Sarah would leap in the womb. Then, then it came time for Rochelle to give birth to the child within her womb, praise God. And it was 36 hours of labor. Talk about laboring. 
man, my back still hurts from that. <laughs> Bent over the bed, encouraging my wife, you can do this, baby. Come on, somebody. I think sometimes women might get mad at me when I do this, when I say, because I know Paul said, I labor. He somehow, the Lord let him in on what? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I have five kids now, but the first one, 36 hours of labor, four hours of pushing. Now, I remember the dream of what is Sarah going to look like? Like, I want a baby girl. I'm going to have a baby girl. I'm going to have a baby girl. What is she going to look like? God's forming her in the womb. Then you get those little, before this moment where Sarah finally came, you get the, what's, what is it called? Little ultrasounds they print out. How many, can we just be honest though? Have you ever seen an ultrasound and you're like, I pray that the baby does not look like that. <laughs> like, uh, can we be really honest there? I remember, uh, Sarah, I was like, that's one of the reasons I prayed over the womb so much. I was praying that you didn't look like the ultrasound. Because the ultrasound is not a full description or it doesn't depict what the baby's really going to look like, right? Now, the same thing when God is forming something, when the Spirit is forming something, we might get a little glimpse of what it looks like, and sometimes we're like, well, oh, I don't know if I can get behind that. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to give us a holy anticipation and dream what it looks like when God is going to birth, Christ being formed in a community, how beautiful it is. When Sarah finally arrived, and there was way too many people in the room, I remember, finally, every person in the room was in tears. When I saw her little face, she was so beautiful because she looked just like me. Come on, somebody. She didn't even cry when you came out, Sarah. You just, eyes open. It was kind of creepy, to be honest. Eyes open, just looking at everyone. But finally, we get to see our baby girl. Now think about the ministry, the call, the gifts, the things that God wants to give birth through you that the Holy Spirit is forming. And think about what the Holy Spirit is forming in all of us as a beautiful community of the saints. Amen. Holy Spirit. And the enemy is so nasty. He doesn't want us to birth what God puts in us. Now I'm speaking of spiritual. I know that it's a very sensitive, very sensitive thing to talk about, miscarriage and when things like that happen. How many know that it's a very sensitive thing, but sometimes a woman's body, how many know that we're born fallen, things happen? And I... One thing I will say is I don't like to over-spiritualize. Sometimes people think that if something happens, it's God's will or they did something or it's demonic or whatever. But spiritually speaking, the enemy would like us to miscarry as a community what God's forming. And so we have to get back to, all right, God, what's your culture? And how do we, how do we walk in the culture of heaven where we don't fall into this thing where we don't really love and honor and value one another. Because what I'm leading to, I wanted to read really quick here, Colossians chapter 3, where Paul uses this language about God in Christ, Christ in God. And he says this, he says, if you then were raised with Christ, seek those things 
which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Now he's talking about all the stuff that we get caught up in as believers. He's trying to tell believers, listen, this isn't who you are. And if you know who you are, you won't do these things. You know, Paul didn't correct behavior. He corrected identity that corrected behavior. Hello? Paul didn't preach sin management sermons, church. Paul is saying, here's what he says in verse 2. This is so powerful. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Like in a womb. In the bosom of the Father. Your life is being formed in Christ. And Christ's life is being formed in you. In the womb. In the bosom of the Father. Man, this is so profound. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. Set your mind on the things above. Do you know the word set? It, uh, it's, it's not just like, well, I'm just going to think differently. It's literally to reorient. It's a posture of your heart. It's posturing your heart in a different direction. And in order to release the culture, how many know that in the church of Corinth, we read the verse, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He talks about the body of Christ. And he says something so profound here. He says, I want you to think about how the reality that we're all individuals of one body, it doesn't make you less significant. It actually makes you more significant because every part is important. What is the culture of heaven? The culture of heaven is knowing that we have value aside from our gifts, talents, and abilities and what we do, and knowing that we are sons and daughters of the living God, and then we begin to see each other through the eyes of heaven, and something happens in our heart and in our vision. Something happens when you look at someone in the eyes of heaven, and you see the treasure that they are. I'm telling you, this is what the culture of heaven does. Even if you don't like them, or you harbor something against them, it's so easy to forgive them because you see them through the eyes of heaven. I've seen God do it in every relationship I've ever had. I've seen God do it as a pastor. I've seen God do it as a husband, fighting with my spouse about prayer on the way to church. There's something about drinking in the wine of his love and drinking in the Holy Spirit where you begin to see differently and you say, God, I'm so in love with you and your people. I can't help but to value and to honor every single member of the body of Christ. Until Christ is formed in us. This, this mic's more anointed. I think I'm going to just start using this. It's just more of a preaching mic. Come on, somebody. And in closing, I want to read this to you, man. This, when we know who we are, and we don't get wrapped up in flattering each other, and even, even in the idea like that we always have to admonish each other. It, you know, some, it's, correction is good, but not if we don't have access to someone's heart. I don't correct people unless I have access to their heart, even if I pastor them. It's just not who I am. Matter of fact, I won't eat, unless they ask me, I won't even tell them. It's not my job. I'm not like your personal shepherd. Like the Lord might use me as a shepherd, but I'm not like, you know, the shepherding movement where there's like this exerting control over people. It doesn't work like that. You need to be responsible for you. I'm not going to just insert myself in your life and say, well, you know, brother, you should stop doing this because it's bad. I mean, unless you're really hurting somebody or hurting yourself, you don't see me. And sometimes we do the same thing in, in toxic church cultures. Everyone's correcting. We're like Peter with the sword, cutting ears off all the time. We always have something spiritual to say, and it's to correct. 
Well, you know, brother, if you just, just stop that. Learn to call out the gold, not point out the dirt. Or we're on the other side where we're just flattering. It's just, oh, brother, you're so awesome and blah, 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 blah. Flattery will make you feel way more gifted than you really are. Honor will bring out gifts and talents and things that God put in you that you never knew you had. Honor will put you on a roadmap to discover who you really are in God. And when you know who you really are in God, you birth the thing that God wants you to birth. Jesus in John 13, such a beautiful text where he washes the disciples' feet. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, this line right here is so profound. God, I want, I want this. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the uttermost. How many want to be known for love? I just want to be known for bringing people into their true significant purpose in life to call out their gifts. And then to know their significance before their gifts. The gifts, is the, ice. the gifts are the icing on the cake, not the cake itself. The gifts come out of, this is why Paul, after the gifts, this is why he mentions all the gifts and it's like a body functioning together. But, but let me show you a more excellent way. And then he talks about love. Love is the key in which the symphony should be tuned. Love is what tunes the strings of our hearts so we can resound the culture of heaven in the choir of community. And Jesus, as he is God incarnate, stooping low, emptying himself, pouring out his divine love upon a broken humanity, it says he loved them till the end. And look at this, verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father has given all things in his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Jesus, knowing he was sent from the Father, knowing who he is, rose from supper and began to wash the disciples' feet. Wow. When we know who we are, God's going to birth a ministry in me. Ministry does not mean a website and traveling the world and preaching in stadiums. It means serving and loving. If you want God to birth a ministry in you, join the serve team. Yes, amen. Amen. Serve, love, give. Well, I'm, I'm just believing God for a nonprofit. Give to the building fund. Hello? Like the Lord, we, we have this whole concept. It's a toxic culture. Well, I'm, I'm called to bring unity to all the churches in Rochester. That's wonderful. But if you don't bring unity to your local church, you're going about it the wrong way. Why do you say that, Pastor Zach? Because I've seen it in Las Vegas. I saw it over and over again. I'm not saying some, to someone directly. I've just seen this. It's, it's a toxic way of thinking. It's backwards. And Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. Can you imagine? Peter's like, no, 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 Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing, Lord? I'm not worthy. I mean, think about it, though. Like, in a sense, as Jesus washed their feet, he was cleansing them. He was showing them a more excellent way. He was showing them love. This is what love looks like loving, serving, other-centered. This is why when we read where 
the Holy Spirit doesn't draw attention to himself, he always exalts Jesus as Lord because the Spirit is always pointed to Jesus. Jesus is always pointed to the Spirit and his Father. There, there's an other-centered beauty in the relational understanding of the triune Godhead. And that is expressed in a healthy community where Christ is formed in us. But can you think, just think with me for a moment. Jesus is washing their feet. He's cleansing them. And of course, they're broken humans like us. We all need our feet washed. Sometimes we need need them washed continually, spiritually speaking. Can you say amen? When I take communion in my office by myself, sometimes I feel like the Lord washes my feet all over again. And he hits the reset button. And you know what I do? I repent. I set my eyes on heaven. God, maybe I've had vain expectation about what this thing that you're birthing is, but I want holy anticipation. Would you help me? I turn, I repent, I turn my heart to you. I set my heart on you. I want to reveal the culture of heaven. I want to know your love. So wash my feet, Lord, cleanse me, wash me, wash me. Teach me to love, teach me to serve. Teach me to give. Teach me to see through the eyes of heaven. Teach me to make every single person feel significant because that's what you did. He loved them till the end. He washed their feet. And when he knew who he was, him knowing who he is, come from the Father, he stooped, looked down, and served and loved. Can you say amen? Would you stand up with me? I want to close in prayer. And I just want to pray. And I pray, hopefully, with the little sound hiccups we had, I didn't get too distracted to where um, this message did not make sense to you, but the heart of it is this, that God is teaching us through this formation of the Spirit. He is, in fact, knitting something together beautiful. How many believe that? And He's going to birth something beautiful for this region, for this city. And, uh, I'm, and I just honor you and I love you and I bless you. And I just pray every person here feels significant. Apart from your gift, apart from serving and doing, just because you're a son and a daughter. Can you say amen? Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Would you pray with me right now and just thank God and just let's open our heart to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Let's open our heart to the gifts that he has. Let's open our heart to to the Spirit forming until Christ is formed in us. Lord, would you teach us to be foot washers? Lord, would you teach us to love? And sir, would you reveal our significance to us so we don't have to strive for it in other places? Let love tune the strings of our heart so we don't get caught up in a solo act in church culture, but Lord, so we resound the symphony and the choir of a a loving community, a loving Christian community, and that sound goes forth to the world around us, Lord. We thank you. I thank you for this people, and I bless them. I bless every family, and I honor, I honor every person that serves in this house, and every saint, every member, and I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Can we just seal it with praise? Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. 
Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.